eight verses. So let's turn our attention to the Word of God. Philippians 2, 1 to 8. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Humility and how I obtained it. Um, 
based on Psalm 131, I mean, which is a psalm, which is a psalm about uh, humility. Um, it is a, a subject that, uh, that should uh, engage our mind and heart as we uh, think about uh, Jesus and what he has done for us. Um, the, again, I, you know, the language is somewhat deficient in all of our English translations because it, it, it seems like there is a dependent clause here. So, so if, it says in the ESV, and I think it says in the New American Standard, if then there is encouragement in Christ. And I don't know why the translators didn't give the sense of the language here, which is there is, there emphatically is encouragement. In Christ, it's not just uh, maybe there's encouragement, uh, like the translation. I kind of when I see the word if, I think, you know, maybe, maybe not. No, that's not what it says at all. It says here that there is encouragement in Christ, and there is comfort from love and participation or fellowship in the Spirit, and there is affection and sympathy. That is. Uh, Paul continuing on the thought from the previous passage about our engagement. When we're engaged in spiritual conflict and uh, enduring suffering for the sake of our testimony of faith in Christ, uh, we want to know that there is comfort. Um, we, we, are, we are living in time of great hopelessness. You know, people are despairing. Uh, it, is, it is shocking to read the statistics about depression and young people who are suicidal and actually taking uh, their own life. And if we, we thought that the Christian life was just, uh, you know, misery and uh, suffering, all the time, uh, we might uh, tend to uh, go there ourselves. And in fact, many of the greatest saints, many of our great hymn writers, uh, have struggled mildly with that depression. And if you lived in a culture where you thought any moment you might be arrested and carried off by the authorities and put on trial and beheaded uh, for your faith, it might uh, make you uh, fearful. And so the apostle is very intent on saying this suffering that you're enduring, this, uh, the sacrifices you're making, this life you're living is not all depression all the time. Again, the, the book of Philippians is called the epistle of joy. And the high note of hope and joy permeates this whole book in spite of the fact that Paul writes it chained to a Roman soldier in the Roman prison in, in, the, um, in the main uh, uh, citadel or garrison of Rome. He's awaiting a death sentence, and yet he is full of encouragement personally and for uh, his fellow believers, and particularly in this letter to those who are at Philippi. His message is based on their union with Christ. There is encouragement in Christ. There is comfort from his love. 
for us. There is participation in the work of the Holy Spirit, and there is affection and sympathy. And that word uh, encouragement is, is uh, the same word that describes the Holy Spirit, the one who comes alongside to help. God is not far from his people in their suffering. He is near to them. There is a, a fellowship. Uh, the word, um, I don't know why the ESV used participation. It's fellowship. There is a fellowship. There is uh, the work of the Holy Spirit to give us uh, this uh, encouragement. And it comes from deep within our innermost being when we are filled with the Holy Spirit as a result of our union with Christ by putting our faith and trust in Him. The secret to humility is having the mind of Christ. And that's, that's my first point. He says, complete my, Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind. He starts at that verse 2 with the, the same mind, and he finishes with the same word. Having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. The mind is, is given. <coughs> One of the expressions for our soul, or our, our um, who we are as a person, and we are to be single-minded in having the mind of Christ. Um, what is the mind of Christ toward toward people? Uh, I am. Um, I'm often convicted of not having the mind of Christ. <clears throat> how, did my, how did Christ treat people? I mean, he is loving people. He's, he sacrificially gave himself unconditionally uh, for his people. He was intent on one purpose, which is to fulfill uh, his purpose in saving his people for himself for the purpose of giving glory to the Father. Having the, having the mind of Christ means you're, you're not focused on yourself. You're focused on God and other people. Um, it is, uh, we'll get to that in the next point, but, the, but this, this understanding was uh, rampant in the, the Greek and Roman culture that is in, uh, rampant in our own culture, that the way to advance in this world is to focus on yourself and how you can um, uh, conquer and succeed, even at the expense of others. Uh, on the way to the meeting Saturday, uh, Jeff Cheney was telling us about a documentary of a, a famous sports celebrity. I won't quote. I won't tell who it is because I didn't see. I didn't see it. But 
I believe everything that uh, Dr. Tuning says to me, <laughs> including what he said two years ago about the virus. He said, it's a virus, we're all going to get it. And I believe that. I've experienced it. Uh, he's a faithful man. And, uh, and it surprised me that he was so culturally aware that he knew about this. He would watch this documentary of this very famous athlete and how uh, this, this athlete had, had had spent his whole life uh, intent on just winning. And, he, and even if he had to make up uh, uh, his opponent's anger and hatred and hostility toward him, he did that uh, so he would have the motivation to win. And when I, when I heard that, <clears throat> I said, that is a very Greek and Roman way of thinking. That is exactly the Roman way. Only, only a coward or a fool in the Greek and Roman society, society would ever back down to an opponent. The whole culture was fixed on succeeding for yourself. The whole focus was being true to yourself and advancing yourself. And, and uh, this is what Paul is addressing with the gospel, bringing it to bear upon those in Philippi who were immersed in that Greek and Roman culture. That is not your highest value. Your highest value and your highest purpose in life is loving God and loving people who are made in his image. And the way to be ultimately successful in God's eyes, from his perspective, is to demonstrate that same sacrificial love for others that Christ had for his people. Our, our default setting that's why this uh, philosophy, this thought is so successful, is it's, it just appeals to our, our <laughs> default setting. Our, our default setting is that we're the center of the universe, right? Uh, when from from uh, infancy, uh, loving parents kind of teach us that, right? That you know, we cry or scream, we get what we want, or we, we think we do or will. Um, but this, this is very much the, the way uh, human nature is, and from the fall of man, it's exacerbated. Um, we want what we want for ourselves. How do we, how do we escape that? By having the attitude of Christ, who, although he existed in the very form of God, did not account the falling with God as a thing to be held on to. Um, but he made himself nothing. This is, uh, uh, from these verses come uh, the great uh, theological term, the kenosis theory. You know, the, uh, to what extent did in his human nature, did Christ empty himself of his uh, divine nature? Um, it, is a, it is a difficult question when you read through the Gospels. At times, 
So Jesus displays these characteristics of deity, and sometimes he deliberately sets them aside, it seems, uh, from the perspective of the gospel writers. And the answer, I believe, is contained in this text. He laid it aside for the sake of others. And this is what we who are united to Christ by faith are called to maintain ourselves. This attitude of Jesus. What did Jesus say? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 29. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my burden upon you, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Um, it, my wife tells me from time to time, I'll just tell you what she tells me. She says, you should work on being more gentle. And I, and I, and I have to, when she says that, I have to confess, I am not a gentle person by nature. But our Lord Jesus is gentle. It is, it is a fruit. There's no excuse for us as believers not cultivating this because it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What, what is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Um, <clears throat> our Lord Jesus in his disposition. How did he present himself? He presented himself as gentle and, and lowly. Um, that's again the opposite of the world. I, one of um, 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 I can't remember. Pastor Knox's first name, but he was a pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Jackson. Right after I, I was in seminary, but I heard him at a conference, and uh, he was talking. You know, he, he came out of this tall steeple church, and had, he thought he had uh, <clears throat> really done well in the sermon. You know, sometimes we think that as preachers, we really have done well. And uh, he got in the car, uh, and he said. How many, how many preachers do you think have ever preached the perfect sermon? And his wife said, one less than you think. <laughs> <laughs> Humility is not knowing how God is working through you. Um, our rest is in the person Christ. It is it's important to our faith to know that our Lord Jesus did not conquer with external might and power. He, he did not come to raise an army. He said this many times to his disciples who wanted to, to start the kingdom with the power of the sword. He said, put it away. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. The sword that we live by is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is how we advance 
the king. And this passage speaks to that. What, what challenges a culture that is consumed with selfishness, who has no concept of, of, of the humility of setting aside glory and honor? This is Christ's descent from glory. He is the, he is the creator. He is the, the sovereign God of the universe who spoke and the universe came into existence. There is no amount of human wealth that could ever be calculated because he owned every bit of it. And he laid it all aside in order to save unworthy people. People who deserved death and hell forever. This is the attitude that we are called to have. No, don't look merely after your own interests. It doesn't say don't look after your own interests, but don't just look at your own interests in humility. Look at the interests of others. Have this mindset in you that other people are more important than you are. Because that's what Jesus did. He did not... Consider that the wealth of the universe, which was his, was something worth holding on to. Something worth grasping. How often do we just want to grasp on to the things of this world that are so petty and foolish and often self-destructive rather than emptying ourselves and seeking him and finding our commitment, our, our contentment in Christ. He made himself nothing, it says. Taking, and here's the descent of the of the chiasm. He he started in glory and he emptied himself. And his the progression of his emptying is on display in this text. He empties himself by making himself nothing by taking the form of a bond slave. That was the, that's what he did when he washed the disciples' feet. He took and the, the job of the lowest position that a person could have in society to do the, the dirtiest, most menial thing the disciples, when he was doing it, begged him not to, but he did it anyway, and he said, this is an example for you. Being born in the likeness of men and found in human form. He, he was made like us in all ways, except without sin, which is the most important thing for us about him. Uh, Isaiah says there's nothing about his outward appearance that was anything absolutely remarkable. He's found in this human form and he humbles himself not merely by becoming human. I mean it would be a great humility for him to be born in a palace but he was born in a, in a stable, in a manger where they fed animals. <clears throat> he 
humbled himself, not merely by being born, by being obedient to the point of death. And the ultimate humiliation was the death of the cross, the death of a criminal, the, the shameful display of his perfect body torn to ribbons by the Roman lash, pierced by nails, hung upon a rough, cruel instrument of death. In order to save his people from their sins. Next Sunday morning, we'll talk about his exaltation. I'll probably go back over these verses uh, to complete the thought. But, but this is this is the thought I want to leave tonight. That is, do you understand what Jesus did for you? He gave his perfection, his glory, and turned it into shame. Experience the, the, the mocking and the reproach of man. And more importantly, experience the wrath of God poured out upon his perfect body that you and I deserve. Love so amazing, love so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word, which reveals to us in, these be in this beautiful poetry, this beautiful, probably ancient hymn, what Jesus did to secure our salvation, but more importantly, what he did to glorify and magnify you, Father, with himself and the <clears throat> Holy Spirit. Fill us with joy. Fill us with true humility, recognizing that we don't deserve one thing from you but your wrath. But instead, you, you give us uh, forgiveness. You give us repentance. You give us the power to change. Father, forgive us for so often walking around depressed and downcast, thinking that uh, the world owes us something. But the reality is we have everything beyond our imaginings in the riches that Christ has bought for us on the cross. He paid it all. Indeed, all to him we owe. Father, thank you for taking the crimson stain of our sins and washing them white as snow. Father, may we be filled with joy by that fact tonight. And if anyone here is yet to know that reality in its fullness, Father, may you change their heart. Give them a new heart. Fill us with your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing 488, May the mind of Christ my Savior.
ですね。